would go past the outer courts into the inner courts and beyond the veil, Father, to come boldly before you, a throne of grace, the holy of holies of your presence. And Lord, we just dwell in your presence. The richness, the joy, the pleasures that are in your presence. There is no place that can compare to your presence. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And Lord, we're so thankful that you have a voice and you speak to us. Sing whatever song you know. 
walk around and bring God on the scene. God is omnipresent, but he also doesn't force himself in. Imagine he is omnipresent, which means he is in, he could see what's going on with a Satanist, he could see what's going on with a witch, he could see when they're doing all their, their things they do to worship the devil. He doesn't interfere because he is not a controlling God. You have to ask him. You have to want him. Amen? Amen. So when there's a problem coming in your house or, or just a question you don't have an answer to, pray in tongues. Talk to God. Sing. Do something to start stirring yourself up so that you could receive the answer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let's make our confession of faith that's based on God's word. We are committed to following God's pattern of giving and receiving. We are pleased to generously invest in God's work and expect a rich return. God has provided and freely given to us all things for life and godliness. We give in faith and it is returned to us, shaken down, making room for more. We are fully satisfied, overflowing, and running over the top. We shout to and magnify the Lord, favoring his righteous cause. He is pleased that we prosper. We gladly honor the Lord with our capital, substance, and our income. God fills our accounts abundantly, and we overflow with the fullness of God's Spirit. God enables us to get wealth, increase in wealth, and become very wealthy to establish his government. We abound in grace. We are fully supplied for every good work. God multiplies what we give, and we increase our fruit of righteousness. We are blessed with what God has given us. God makes us rich with no regrets. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to come to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At the Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we got a lot of things going on this week here at VCF. Hallelujah. We have our death charge meeting at 6.30 on Tuesday. We have Wednesday night refreshing on Wednesday at 7. We have a Bible adventure on Thursday. We have our everyday hero men's conference starting this Friday and into Saturday. And uh, on Sunday, you're going to turn back time. <laughs> Remember, it's daylight savings time. I always wondered what they do with all the time that they save. But uh, make sure you turn your clocks back on uh, for Sunday morning. And then uh, coming up on November 8th, we're going to have uh, an international guest, Andrew Taylor. Is going to be with, he was supposed to be with us in August, but um, uh, he was stuck in whatever country he was in, I guess. But... Uh, they're here at this time now, and uh, so he'll be with us on November 8th, and uh, that'll be a great time. Yeah. And uh, I want to take uh, a moment 
Uh, Franklin Graham, he posted uh, something about taking a moment today uh, to fast and pray, and uh, we can at least uh, pray this morning for our nation. And uh, he referenced Jehoshaphat. And things were going well for Jehoshaphat. Actually, the Philistines were giving him gifts. You know, it's going pretty well when the enemies give you gifts. Amen? Amen. But then something happened where he was surrounded by three nations. And they came and attacked Israel. And uh, his first response was fear, but then he prayed. Everybody say, then he prayed. He prayed. And he called a national fast for three days. And uh, we know the story from Second Chronicles 20. He sent out the praisers before the warriors. And the enemy was completely confused and killed each other. And then all Jehoshaphat did when he showed up was he had to, he gathered the spoil. Amen? So we're going to take some time to pray for our nation. You know that there's a lot of pressure coming against this nation to cease to be the nation that God created. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I'm glad that I'm an American. Yeah. And I love this country. And uh, I believe in how this country was founded. So let's, I want everybody to stand up for a moment. And uh, we're going to just pray for this nation. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before your throne this morning, on this Sunday. And we lift up the United States of America to you, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise that what you designed, what you created, will remain to be established in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray over the leaders of this nation, especially our president and his cabinet and the vice president and all those uh, associated with the White House, Lord. We ask you to protect them. Lord, we ask you to preserve them. We ask you to sustain and strengthen them, Father. And we give you thanks and praise, Father, that we will still be one nation under God, indivisible, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray protection over this nation. We thank you, Father, that what you set up will not be lost. Lord, we will not let it slip out of our fingers. But Lord, we are more than conquerors. And we stand in the gap for this nation. Yes, Lord, we thank you that the blood of Jesus can forgive this nation. And we receive it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise. That you will continue to shine your light and move with your spirit from sea to shining sea, from shore to shore, in every direction, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you bless this nation, the United States of America. We come against any division, any demonic force, the lies, the deception that would try to steal Lord, what you set up. And we give you thanks and praise that you put a hedge of protection around the United States, around our government, around our governmental systems in the name of Jesus. And Lord, instill wisdom into those who make our laws. Lord, remove the evil and set up righteousness in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks and praise. That we know how to pray. And Lord, we thank you for blessing this nation. And stopping the plans of the enemy 
in their tracks. They will not succeed. No weapon formed against this nation shall prosper. Because, Lord, you said, anyone who blesses Israel, you will bless. And, Lord, we bless Israel as a nation. Thank God, Father, we, we moved our embassy into the Jerusalem, the chosen city of God. And we bless Israel, Lord. We stand in agreement with Israel. And we give you thanks and praise. And we receive the blessing for our nation. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. And I want to just share a moment from uh, Luke 16. And um, it's the parable of the unjust steward. He was in trouble because his master noticed that he wasn't taking care of business. And he was about to lose his position. And so, um, he didn't have anywhere else to go, so he started to change the bills that debtors owed to his master to a lesser amount. So he was actually cheating the master. And uh, the Bible calls him unjust. And uh, he, um, I I just want to read... I'm going to read from the Amplified. Um, Verse 10, starting with verse 10. Chapter 16, Luke 16, 10. And uh, we're going to read uh, to uh, verse 13, 10 to 13. He who is faithful... In very little, let me say very little, is also faithful in much. You know, uh, let me just read and I'll say something. And he who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, Who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that earthly wealth which belongs to another, whether God or man, and of which you are trusted, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he will stand devoted by the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon, that is your earthly possessions, or anything else you trust in and rely on instead of God. So, how many know that if we're not trusting God in little things, we're not going to trust Him in big things? You know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, if I won the lottery, I would give. Well, are you giving now? If you're not giving now, you're not going to give when you win the lottery. Amen? So, um, how, I just want you to think about this. How are you managing God's resources? You know, our time, our talent, and our treasure have been entrusted to us by God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to put God first. Right? right. Everybody say, God first. God first. 
then you can invest in your future debt, you can save for a rainy day, and finally then you can take care of your needs, wants, and desires. Amen? And how do we put God first? We put Him in tithes and offerings. The tithe is the Lord's. And it's what it's how you honor Him as your source when you bring it to Him. You know, the Bible says bring the tithe. He never says pay the tithe. You can't pay what's not yours. The, the Bible is very clear. The tithe is the Lord. That's 10%. Everybody say 10%. 10%. That's 10% of our income is God's. And, uh, and then the offering, that's after the tithe. It's your precious seed that brings about an abundant harvest. Increase comes from offering. Amen? And then we have the first fruit. That's an initial offering after experiencing an increase. Alright? And then finally we have alms. And that's helping the poor. And when you give to, when you give to the poor, the Bible says you lend to the Lord. And He'll give you back what you gave. Amen? Amen. So here at BCF, I know that we are filled with people who love God and honor God. But don't be like the unjust steward. Don't put yourself above the master. Amen. Make sure you put the master first. Amen. Amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise that we have the ability to give as you blessed us. And Lord, we give and invest in your kingdom and we glorify you and honor you. And Lord, I thank you that you will supply an extreme abundant return to every giver on every gift. In Jesus' name, amen. And also, this Thursday morning, I'm going to be on a, a call with WJTL talking about the men's conference. I'm so pumped up and excited. And uh, hopefully my new book should be here uh, within this week. And I'm looking forward to that as well. All right, we have a special uh, presentation. Hallelujah. I know you don't need it, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, as you all know, this month has been Pastor Appreciation Month. And we're fortunate here to not just have one pastor. We have, as the head of our church, two pastors. We have Reverend Doug and Pastor Fiona. And then, we not only have them, we also have our youth pastor, Pastor Tony. And then we have another pastor. We have Pastor Nelson, who is more or less like in the background. But I know the way this man prays. I know what he sees. And I know what he can bring to pass by his mighty prayers. So because of that, I want to say thank you to all of you. And uh, I, I note for Pastor Tony, uh, when I first came to this church, our young adults were little kids. They were, you know, still like in middle school. And I have seen what has been produced with you being the head of the youth for, uh, as a pastor. And so we really thank you for that. And so I'd like you and your lovely wife Nelson, you and your lovely wife, and pastors and your lovely wife, to come up. We have something for you.
weekend coming up. Woo. Oh, yes. You know what? I, I want to encourage everybody that we're, we're living in a time where Satan is putting a lot of pressure on believers. Amen. And uh, it's a time to rise up and shine. And uh, I want to encourage everyone, you know, don't let the worldly pressure stop you from doing what God wants you to do. Amen. And, uh, you know, Jesus is a brother who was born for adversity. I mean, you know, they tried to kill him several times and he just walked away. Yeah. But my point is, you know, they never were able to knock Jesus off his course. Amen. But... Believers are being tried and tested in the days and hours that we're living in. And I want to encourage you, keep doing what you know you should be doing. Amen? This is a test. And uh, it's not going to get any easier. Amen? But uh, God will get you through anything. And uh, He is faithful. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning... I would like for you to turn to the book of John, chapter 14. From, from the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior, he, he invited you and welcomed you to be into His family, but also to be part of the family business. Did you know that you're part of a family business? This has been, this is the longest running company in the planet. And uh, it's got the most employees. It's headquartered in heaven. But its operations are on the earth. And there are many franchises on every continent and in every city. And it's called the church. Amen? And uh, God has things for us to do. And he has work for us to do. So I want to encourage you this morning to do the works of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting with uh, verse 8, Philip asked the question to the Lord. He said, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient. And in verse 9, Jesus responded, Have I been so long time with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And now you say, uh, Then show us the Father? Believe you not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Eleven, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes, believes on me, the works that I do... He shall he do also, 
and greater works than these shall be, he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Did Jesus really say that the works that he did, anyone who believes in him are going to do too? Exactly, that's exactly what he said. Jesus is talking here. Can Jesus lie? Nope. Jesus has brought you into his family. He has brought you into his kingdom so that you can do what he did on the earth. Amen? He wants you to do the works that he did. Alright? He wants you to do what he did. This word works is an interesting word. It's the word ergon. Have you ever heard of ergonomics? Right? Ergonomics means it's, it's a workspace that's comfortable to you. Right? Basically. And uh, this word work is the work. It's a work, a task, it's an employment, it's a deed, it's an action. God wants you to act like Jesus acted. God wants you to speak like Jesus spoke. God wants you to live like Jesus lived. God wants you to do what Jesus did. Well, you said, well, I'm not the Son of God. Yes, you are. We are all sons and daughters of God by faith. Mm-hmm. Amen? So, this word, when Jesus said, He who believes in me, you're going to do the works that I do, but greater works. See, we can reach more people than Jesus reached. He was only in a small country. But when he rose from the dead, his word spread out to other continents, other nations. Right? I mean, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got born again in one service, one setting. So the, our greater works, they're going to be greater in scope. They're going to be greater in reach. We're going to be able to reach more people. We can communicate Easily with people. Back in Jesus' day, he didn't have electronics. He didn't have email. He had he had email, but not email. Right? They had to get on a ship or get on a donkey or walk to go and preach the gospel. Right? It took a long time. But we can communicate to people all around the world, you know, in our pajamas. I don't know if you ever seen that. Uh, it's a it's a commercial. It might be an insurance commercial, and uh, it, it makes me laugh. But this this guy, you know, he's got some people at his house, and they were supposed to have a meeting, and he comes out with his shirt and no pants on, and he said, "Oh, I thought this was a Zoom meeting." And his wife says, "No, no." <laughs> it just makes me laugh. But our ability to communicate and share the gospel has increased since Jesus went back to heaven. You know, Jesus retired early. He retired in his 30s. Amen? But he left his work in our hands. This word works, it refers to a worker who accomplishes something. Did you know that God wants you to accomplish some things for his kingdom? Every one of us Small or great, old or young, male or female, God wants you to accomplish some things for Him. Amen. He wants you to do greater works than He did. He's not saying that you're going to be greater than Him. He says you're going to do greater works. 
you're going to have greater results. Do you realize when Jesus walked this earth, there wasn't even a thing called church? It, it came afterwards. It came after the day of Pentecost. So, our God is a worker. And we are workmen in his kingdom. Okay? How are we going to do the works of Jesus? I'm going to give you five simple things why we can do the works of Jesus in just a moment. So stay tuned. Alright? Jesus said something in verse 10. He said, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? You know, we have to believe in the unity, harmony, and relationship between Jesus and his Father. Jesus was God's representative. He is God's son, but he's also the son of man. He is the mediator between God and man. He is the perfect representative. We've got to believe in the unity of Jesus and his Father. Jesus in the Father and the Father in him. There was an intimacy. There was relationship. And we've got to believe that. This is something that we have to do to work, do the works of God. Say, I believe, I believe in the unity, in the unity of, the Father, of the Father, the Son, the Son and the Holy, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're so close, you can't separate them. They function differently, but they're so closely knit together it's like a garment woven. You can't see all the different threads. Right? You can see the colors, but you can't see the threads unless you put them under a microscope. But there's a lot of threads that come together to make up the different colors. And I didn't know that my best was going to be an illustration today when the Holy Ghost did. So we got to believe in the unity between Jesus and the Father. Amen? This phrase came to me when I was praying. Jesus is the word-wearing flesh. He is the word-wearing flesh. That's who Jesus was when he walked this earth. He's the word-wearing flesh. Right? Then, he said, verse 11, or no, the end of verse 10, he says, I do not speak on my own authority. So we have to believe the words he speaks. How do we believe the words he speaks? To believe the words he speaks means to do the words he speaks. If you're not doing it, you're not believing it. Amen? Jesus has commanding authority. Did you know that Jesus was at creation with his father creating this world? Because what did he say? Let us make man in whose image? Our image. Our image. Is that not the plural of you? So the father, the son, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. God was speaking and Jesus was saying, yeah. (laughs) Jesus has commanding authority because he completely submits to his father's authority. Jesus never acted on his own. He never said, he never gave his opinion. Everything he said, everything he did, was what the Father told him to do, was what the Father said to him. Alright? But we have to believe the words that he speaks. And just as the Father dwells in Jesus, his Holy Spirit dwells in us. 
The Father's in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. We're in Jesus, and He's in us by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord has had their DNA changed. A new blood came in you. Amen? And then Jesus said, in verse 11, He said, you've got to believe in the works He does. And you've got to believe that He wants to work through you. Say, God wants to work through me. He wants to touch someone through you. He wants to help someone through you. He wants to encourage someone through you. He wants to minister to someone. Minister means to serve. He wants to minister to someone through you. Who did he say could lay hands on the sick and they shall recover? Believers. He didn't say ministers. He didn't say the apostle or prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He said believers. Who is a believer in here? If you're a believer, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means you, as a believer, you can lay hands on the sick, and the Bible says that sick shall recover. Amen. God entrusted you with that power, with that ability. He gave you, He authorized you, He deputized you to do that. So we got to believe in the works. Every believer should do works that bear witness to the Father. Is what we do bearing witness to the Father, or is it testifying to someone else? Hmm? When we speak, are we representing the world, or are we representing God? Hmm? Who do we represent? Who do our works bear witness to? It should be God. Right? Jesus said that, uh, He said, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the works sake, for the sake of the works. He said that, uh, you know, Jesus, everything Jesus did, everything he worked, he represented the Father. He brought God on the scene. He showed us how to interact with God. He showed us how to represent God. And by, by the way, whether you realize it or not, you are an ambassador of heaven. Every one of us have the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us are an ambassador for God. Do you see yourself as an ambassador? Do you carry yourself as an ambassador? You know, an ambassador can sign treaties. An ambassador can make agreements based on the country that sent them as long as it represents that country's interests. Amen? God gave you the keys to the kingdom. What are you opening with those keys? How are you using those keys that he gave you? He gave us keys, didn't he? Amen. And then, in verses 13 and 14, he said that... Because I go to my Father, he said, verse 13, Whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do. Have you ever thought about the power that's in that statement? 
Ever say whatsoever? Whatsoever. But here's the kicker. You've got to ask in association with his name. You can do his works by praying in his name. He gave us the, the power and the ability to pray in his name. But here's the thing. Um, okay. He called you to do what he did. And he wants you to do that. He has equipped you with everything you need to do that. Just do it. Look at your neighbor and say, just do it. Just do it. Just do what, what he called you to do. Okay? The name of Jesus. See, he said, ask whatsoever things in your name. You can't say, I'm going to rob a bank in Jesus' name. <laughs> or you can't say, I'm going to lie in Jesus' name. Alright? You can't say, I'm going to gossip in Jesus' name. You can't say, I'm going to sin in Jesus' name. See, when you use the name of Jesus, His name represents His nature. His name represents His power and His authority. His name represents His character. His name represents His holiness and His will. Jesus will never associate with something against His will. So you can't put His name on something that's not His will. He will not endorse sin. And I'm Jesus Christ, and I approve that message. Jesus doesn't endorse sin. He doesn't endorse disobedience. So, when we pray, whatsoever you pray in His name, the prayer has to be in line with His will. You know, I, I remember at Ramah, I, I, I've told this before, but, you know, there were people who went to Ramah, and they were prophesying marriage mates. Unfortunately, they were false prophets. Right? They would, you know, people would say, oh, you know, God said I'm going to marry you. Well, the other person said, well, God didn't tell me. You know, but a lot of that crazy stuff goes on. But you've got to be careful how you use his name. Because his name is not going to represent anything that's against his word. Right. Right. So if you're praying contrary to God's word, he's not putting his name on it. And if he doesn't put his name on it, there's no power in it. You have to understand, people pray a lot of crazy things. Alright? They pray a lot of things that's not in God's will. And they wonder why it doesn't work, because he didn't endorse it. Listen, whatever God endorses with his name will come to pass. So when you put, whatsoever you pray in His name, it's got to be in association with His will. You've got to find out what His will is so that you can pray effectively. His name is never associated with evil, wickedness, ungodliness, or anything unholy. Or anything unrighteous, anything unjust, or anything contrary to Him in any way. Jesus only does things that glorify his Father. He does nothing to discredit or dishonor him. You know, we know the story in Acts, uh, I think it's maybe 19, somewhere in there, about the sons of Sceva. They encountered this man who was demon-possessed. And the sons of Sceva, there were seven of them. And they went to approach this man who was 
was possessed with demons, and they said, we adjure you in the name of Jesus whom Paul knows to come out of you. And the demon looked at him and laughed. He said, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? Then the sons of Sceva didn't even register as being known by demons. Because they had no relationship with Jesus, but they were trying to use his name that Paul knew. Paul had a relationship with Jesus, but they didn't. And you know what happened? The demon-possessed man whooped every, every seven of them. He, he, he whooped all seven of them, and they went home crying to Papa. <laughs> See, when you misuse his name, it'll actually cause you more harm than do any good. So if you're going to do the works of Jesus, you can't misrepresent his name. You can't do things deceptively and get God's approval. Because God does not approve deception. Amen? He's very clear about that. Read Proverbs 6. Six things I hate. Seven really tick me off. God says. There's some things that tick God off. Amen? Amen? Can I give you a warning? Don't do anything that ticks God off. <laughs> you don't want him as an enemy. There was a battle one time in the Old Testament where the people were, were fighting against an enemy, but then they disobeyed God, and the Bible says God became their enemy then. He fought against them. Not, not the enemies that they were fighting against, the people who disobeyed God. So, how are we intertwined? You know, there's a, there's a, we are intertwined with God. We are in Him, and He is in us. I mean, there, there's a, uh, a connection, alright? How, how are we intertwined with God? We're intertwined with Him because we abide in Him. He abides in There's an exchange. He gave us His life, didn't He? He took our sin. Where did he took he take, he took it away. He, he came to take away the sin. He took our sin away and he gave us his life. He gave us his righteousness. There's an exchange there. We're intertwined with God because we've been recreated. <laughs> See, I've been recreated. I've been recreated. You're a new creature, right? Yep. If any man be in Christ, he is a not he not he was, not he's going to be, but he is. A new creature, a new creation. All things are passed away. Inside of us, we have been made new. And pretty soon, our outside will be made new. Alright? We're intertwined with God because we're born again. We entered and began a relationship with Him. That's how we're intertwined with God. God did not force us to be part of His family. Jesus doesn't put a gun to people's heads and say, accept me as Lord, or meet me soon. <laughs> I remember one time uh, when I was in college, and we would travel with Pioneers for Christ. That was a group that God put me in. It was a part of Lee Campus. Um, when I became president, we went from about 20 to 130 people in a semester. We were having, we had a service every Thursday night on campus, man. It was, it was rocking. Let me tell you, plus we went and ministered in churches. And we did this one skit about not, things not to do to win your witness. 
And you know, we have one of those big white coffee table Bibles, you know, the, the super size, right? And on the back of it, we strapped a toy gun, right? And we would hold the Bible up while we were witnessing the people. Yes, yes, I can save, I can save. You know, things not to do, right? So Jesus didn't force us to enter into a relationship. You actually chose to get into a relationship with God. He gave you an offer and you accepted it. Amen? And because we're intertwined with Him, we're in Him, He's in us. Right? He shares His life with us. He shares His mercy with us. He shares His nature and strength with us. He shares His power and glory with us. What other God does that? What other God that the world worships share the glory with them? There's no other God that shares the glory. They want all the glory. Because they're false gods. But Jesus shares His love with us. He shares His favor with us. He shares His grace with us. He shares His mercy and His holiness with us. We're partakers of the divine nature. That's a Bible verse in 2 Peter chapter 1. He wants us to be holy because He is holy. We can share in His holiness. Did you know that you can be holy because He's holy? Say, I can be holy. I can be holy. What does it mean to be holy? It means to live and act and think and talk like Jesus. That means you get so full of Jesus, He comes out in everything you do. We we need some more spilling out Christians of Jesus. They're full of a lot of things but Jesus. Jesus said in John... Chapter 3, he says, Whosoever believes on him shall have everlasting life. He shares life with us. In Romans 8, he says, We have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians 6, he says, You are strong in him. He shares his strength with us. Isn't that important when you're feeling weak? When you're feeling down? That you have a source of strength that can pick you up and cause you to carry on? He, he gives us power to witness. He says, you shall receive power. He shares his power with us. Acts 1.8. You shall receive power. Say, I shall receive power. I shall receive power. See, God wants his people to be powerhouses. Yep. Not vacant lots. He wants you to have some power. He wants you to have some influence. He wants you to be able to do miracles. God wants you to be a miracle worker. You don't have to work the miracle. You just have to give it, give it the opportunity to. God works the miracles. Amen. He yes. does the work. He does the heavy lifting. But he needs a vessel. Yep. Electricity can't just show up in your house and say, "Hi, electricity." It's got to come through a vessel. It's got to come through wire. If electricity shows up without a wire, you better run. <laughs> You're about to get a makeover you didn't want. Amen. I mean, when people get hit by direct lightning, it doesn't go well for them. So God needs a vessel. Oh, it was all God. Yeah, but he needed the vessel to work through. I mean, Jesus needed some pots to make water into wine. Right? Say, I'm God's vessel. I'm God's vessel. 
But see, the difference is, you're filled with God. That's what makes the difference. If what you're filled with, what's in you, you can say, I have, I have God in me. God in me. I have Holy Ghost in me. I have Holy Ghost. I have Jesus in me. I have Jesus in me. I have God's Word in me. I have God's Word in me. Then what's your problem? <laughs> You've got all this stuff in you. You better be doing the works. Yep. It's not time to hide. It's time to thrive. Get out there and share. He gives us His grace. He said, we're saved by grace. Not by ourselves. It's a gift of God. God gave us His grace, His ability, His power, His favor, His goodness. We're rooted and grounded in His love. He gave us His love. He, he not only gave us His love, He said we can understand the depth, the length, the breadth, and the height of it. Yeah. Oh, the love of God is so complex. No, He said you can understand it. So stop putting yourself down. Start putting him up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. How did the Father get in you? And how did you get in him? It came by invitation. How many have ever received an invitation for an event? Mm-hmm. Right? You responded promptly and positively to his invitation. And you invited him in your heart. And so you got intertwined with God based on an invitation that you responded to. Did you know that if, if you get an invitation to the party and you would show up, you missed the party? Yep. Because you didn't respond to the invitation. There are a lot of people missing God's party because you haven't responded to the invitation. You, you refuse to accept the invitation. And you complain about missing the party. Well, it's your fault that you missed the party. Another way that we can get intertwined by God is acceptance. You accepted His offer or His call. Did you know that when you call an organization, sometimes the person that you want to talk to doesn't always accept the call. Maybe they're busy, maybe they're out of the office, maybe whatever. But you accepted His call. You accepted and received His free gift. You accepted the terms and the conditions of His covenants. You accepted his forgiveness. You accepted his offer. That's how he got in you, and you got in him. It's really quite easy. You surrendered. You exercised humility, and you recognized the need and the importance of having a Savior. I'm sure that if you if you thought about it, you could remember the moment. When you accepted the salvation of Jesus. And that occurred for me when I was 12. And I've told that story several times already to you. So I'm not going to say it today. And then finally, the, the third way that you're intertwined with Him is through faith. You believed in who He is. You believe that He is God's Son. And you believe that He is Lord. You entered into a relationship with Jesus through faith. You're saved by grace, but it's through faith. Amen? Amen? And, you know, Jesus, he did some works. I wrote down some things that he was a worker of. Okay? Say, so Jesus was a worker. Jesus was a worker. 
You know, he didn't waste any time. Nope. From the moment he was 12 years old, he knew that he better be about the father's business. From 12 to 33 and a half, he worked the father's business. How about us? Are we working the father's business? Here's some positions that Jesus held or holds. He's a physical and emotional healer. He is a deliverer. He doesn't deliver pizzas, he delivers people. He's a restorer. He restores things to make them look better than what they did. He's a forgiver. He, he initiates and offers forgiveness for all. Jesus is a good news distributor. You may have read his publication called The Holy B-I-B-L-E. He is an upholder of righteousness. These are positions that, you know, I love the Holy Ghost sense of humor. He gave this to me like this. He's an upholder of righteousness. He's a light bearer. He's the light of the world. And his power never runs out. His light never dims. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) Jesus is a spiritual feeder. He feeds you the word of God. He feeds you milk and bread and meat and new wine and fruit. He's got an array of food. That he feeds them. I like this one. Jesus is a demon destroyer and silencer. Woo! He is the original demon destroyer and silencer. Jesus is God promoter. He promotes God in his kingdom. He's a kingdom erector. He's a kingdom, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's a kingdom erector. I remember having an erector set. I built nothing with it because building wasn't my passion. (laughs) Instead, I made planes out of Legos. That was my passion. Jesus is a spiritual architect. He's a designer. He's a mediator. He negotiates you out of sin. Glory to God. He nego- how, many, how many people has Jesus negotiated your freedom? He has successfully negotiated everyone's freedom. He's never lost a case. Jesus is an author and a finisher. He's the author and the finisher of faith. He writes faith. He writes about faith. Amen. These are positions that Jesus holds. He's a foundation layer. Matter of fact, he's the chief foundation. He's the firm foundation. He's a foundation layer. No other foundation can any man lay but that which is laid is Christ. Hallelujah. He's a spiritual bodybuilder. Oh yeah. He's here to pump you up. <laughs> My God is a spiritual bodybuilder. He's here to pump you up. And finally. He's a world savior. He is a world savior. He came to save the world. Amen? Amen. So, and we know his works, right? He, he, he healed people. He did miracles, signs, and wonders. Those were his works. And these are the works that he wants us to do. Amen? Say, so I'm a 
a miracle mediator. A miracle mediator. What does that mean? You give the message, and the one who does the work will do the work to back you up. Amen? Okay, so how can we do the works? This is the meat of the message today. Five things that are going to be, I'm going to put on your plate. Alright? Five simple things on how we can do His works. How do we want to do His works? And do you realize there's no age limit to do His works? You can do it when you're young. You can do it when you're old. You can even do it in the womb. How many assignments were given to people before they were ever born? But they were given to people who carried them in the womb. Amen? A lot of ladies were told what their children were going to do and be while they were in the womb. So that the woman was preparing the path. Amen? Okay, number one, we can do the works of Jesus because we have his authority. See, I have authority. Go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. I know I haven't been having to turn to scripture today because it's more of a, it's a preaching, more of a teaching. But Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Who's talking here? Jesus. He said, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the first word for power is authority. It's exousia. Right? And when when you need exousia, there's no excuses. Alright? Exousia means out from. It's conferred power. It's delegated power. It's authorization. It's operating in a designated jurisdiction. It's authority that God gives to his saints. Say, I have been authorized. I have been authorized. To do what Jesus did. Yes. He authorized you. He called you. He equipped you. Right? He filled you. He touched you. But now he wants you to go. Okay? In Matthew chapter 8. Go to Matthew chapter 8. A miracle came about because a man understood authority. Verse 6, Matthew 8, 6, a centurion came looking for Jesus. And in verse 6 it says, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. I'm going to say grievously tormented. Grievously tormented. Does that sound like a good situation? No. But he went to the source to get the situation solved, right? How do we know how to get to the source? Right? And Jesus said to him, I will what? Okay, he already had the authority of God's word that it was God's will to heal the servant. In other words, God agreed with the centurion's request and the word answered, I will come and heal him. Right? 
But then the centurion said, oh, Lord, but uh, I'm not worthy that you should come over to my house to make a long story. He said, only speak the word. He said, I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and this one goes. But I'm also a man, I'm under authority, and I have authority. And then his understanding of authority caused him to have, the, Jesus recognized it as having the greatest faith. When you understand the authority that you've been given in the name of Jesus. When you understand how Jesus has authorized you to do what he did. You know, it takes a lot to build a church. And I'm not talking about a physical building. I'm talking about people. God has employed you into his business. He wants you to help build his kingdom. While he, he prays for us in heaven. Jesus walks the earth by his Holy Spirit and by you. Because you're in him. Right? And this was back to what Jesus said. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. Amen? There was a representation. There was a relationship. And you have the same relationship. You have the same uh, association with God. In Matthew 10, he gave his disciples authority to cast devils out, to heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, open blind eyes, freely receive, freely give. Amen? He told them to do what he himself was doing. Did they do it? Did the disciples cast out devils? Did people get healed under the disciples? Absolutely. Did blind eyes get open? Yes. The works of Jesus are still happening today. And we have a part in it. And it's by our authority. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And look at verses 18 to 20. This was right before Jesus departed. You talk about a retirement party. Jesus was lifted in the air without any device. And he went from the earth to heaven in the most open elevator ride ever. That's a way to celebrate your retirement. Amen? So Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven. Can we agree that Jesus has all authority? Well, if he has all authority, then he can give authority to anyone he wants to. Amen? And he wants you, he's given you authority. Say, I have the authority, the authority of Jesus. Of Jesus. And you can exercise his authority in his name. Okay? I have all authority in heaven and earth. Then he said, go therefore. He said, I have authority, but I'm giving you authority to go. Go and teach who? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. I guess it's like heights. No, just kidding. <laughs> lo, I'm with you always. When you help someone understand what God is saying, you're teaching them to observe everything that He commanded you. When you instruct someone in the ways of the Lord, you're, you're doing what He said to do. You're using your authority. Amen. 
When someone calls you up and you counsel them, or you pray for them, or you minister to them in such a way, or you witness for them, you're doing the works that Jesus did. We've got to get to the point where we're not ashamed of the works of Jesus. Say, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the works of Jesus. Of the works of Jesus. No, you're fully equipped. You're called and anointed and appointed. Jesus, there is not an anointing to sit on our duff. Amen? Amen. In the Christian life, there's no such thing as cruise control. You can't just set it and, and cruise. You've got to keep your gas on, you've got to keep your foot on the gas pedal, you've got to keep your hands on the steering wheel, and you've got to go, go, go for Jesus. It starts when you wake up, what you do during the day. If you're doing house chores, you can pray, you can talk to God. He might bring something to your mind that you can pray about that you didn't know, but you can start praying. You can do his work without even interfering with your work. But Jesus said, notice I didn't say it. Jesus said in the works that I do, he said, you will do also. The greater works, because I'm going to the Father. I'm retiring early. I'm just going to go sit in my chair on on God's porch and pray for you. (laughs) Amen? Jesus is sitting in a big rocking chair. I'm using that as a, but he's sitting at the right hand of God He's praying for us. Right? He's still helping us do his works. Even though he's not physically present. But he's he's spiritually present. Alright? What's the second thing that I have that I can do the works of Jesus? It's power. See, I'm a powerhouse for God. I'm a powerhouse for God. Do you realize the power that you have? That God gave you? The power that you can command, you can tell demons to hold their peace. Right? So, the second word in Luke 10, 19, the first word was power, which is also another word. But the second word, the power to tread, that's the word dunamis. Now, I'm dating myself a little bit, but uh, what was the guy's name? J.J. Washington? Or, Or no... Anyway, good times. His, his favorite phrase was dynamite. <laughs> or J.J. Walker, what well, I don't know. But dunamis, obviously, it's the, the, this power is the ability to perform. It's the power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent abilities. It's power through God's ability. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Go to... Uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. And look at verse 1. He said to them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Do you realize that that actually happened? Peter, James, and John, who were standing there with Jesus, they got to see the power of God on the Mount of Transfiguration, 
Jesus took them up and he appeared before them in all of his glory, all of his splendor, all of his majesty, and they got to see the power before they died. So Jesus, but that word power there is dunamis. It's God's power in you to work. Amen? Say something on the inside. Something on the inside. It's working on the outside. It's working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Oh, what a change in my life. There's a power working in you, but not only does it want to work in you, it wants to work through you. It wants to work for you. Jesus said that he, he said it's the Father that does the works. You don't have to worry about how you're going to do the works. You just have to show up and do what the Holy Spirit says to do. David did not have to have a strategy to defeat Goliath. He just knew that he was already beaten when he showed up. And, and how do we know? Someone tried to give him a strategy. You saw armor. He tried it on, but what? It didn't fit. It didn't work. It would have hindered him from fighting the way he knew. He had to use the power that God gave him. He couldn't use Saul's power. He couldn't use uh, natural power. He had to use the power that's in the name of Jesus. But what's his strategy? Give me some stones. I'm going to knock them down. You know, David would have been a good bowler. He had bowled a perfect game. Right? He did not take things down one shot. Right? I mean, when you're anointed to do it, just do it. Do what you're anointed to do. Everybody is anointed to do something different. I'm anointed to teach. But Fiona is anointed to prophesy. And to see visions. And all kinds of other things. Our anointings are different. When she tries to study like me, it doesn't work. If I tried to prepare like her, it wouldn't work for me. Operate in the anointing that God anointed you with. If it's smiling and bringing joy to people with your smile, smile. If it's writing good cards and giving an encouraging word, do it. Do what you're anointed to do. Just do it. Say, just do it. Just do it. What did Jesus, or what did the angel say to Mary, the mother of Jesus? In Luke 135, he said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that which... That Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. The, the, the power of the highest overshadowed her and got her pregnant. That power can do anything it needs to do. And that's the power that God wants to work for you. Some of you need to be overshadowed. I can't do it, I can't do it. And the shadow comes. Whoa, I can do it, I can do it. In Luke 4.36, Luke, you can turn over there and see this. Luke 
He said, and they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word is this? With authority and power, he commands unclean spirits, and they what? You have the same power. Why are you magnifying what the devil's doing? Stop what he's doing. Did you hear me? You are authorized and deputized to stop what he's doing, not to promote what he's doing. Amen? Amen. So, how do we work the works of God? We use his authority, we use his power, and we have his word. Did God give you his word? He told a young pastor in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, preach the word. He didn't say, preach your opinion. He didn't say, preach the word of experts. He didn't say, preach what you feel. He said, preach the word. Be instant. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He told him to preach the word. Why? There's power in the word. See, there's power in the word. You have God's word. How many has God said something to you or showed you something? And when you did what God said or whatever he showed you, did it work? And then, so you have the power. And we can do the works of We can't do the works of Jesus without his word. We've got to be in conjunction and in cooperation with the word of God. Where does the word need to be? In our hearts. We've got to get the word in our hearts in order because why? You take your heart with you wherever you go. That means if the word is in your heart, you are ever ready to do his work. And I found that in my own life, scriptures will come out of me that I learned years ago, and they would come out of me in a moment that I most needed. I'd be like, whoo! You know? You ever, you ever experienced that? The word, like, oh man, I, I didn't realize that was in there, but it was in there. I put it in there, so no. <laughs> but if you're not putting the word in you, you're not going to be able to work effectively. Right. You know, the Bible says, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, study. I'm going to say study. study. He says, to show yourself approved a workman who need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word. Listen, you've got to rightly divide the word. Yeah. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Yeah. You can't interpret the Bible by what you feel or what you experience. Or what someone else said. You can only interpret the Bible by the Bible. Even the, the writer said, we did not bring our own interpretation to you. We wrote what God told us to write. So we have his word. Go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1. 5 things that will help you do the works of Jesus. Philippians 1 verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord 
a waxing confident by my bonds, and much more bold to speak the word without fear. We need to speak the word without fear. Why do we have a confession every week? Because it sounds good? No. We have a confession to equip you with a subject. Every verse of our uh, confession is based on several scriptures and is designed to get that in you. The more you say it, the more it gets in you, and the more you believe it, and the more power it produces in your life. But we can speak the word. In Acts chapter 5, verse 20, when Peter was delivered from the prison, the angel said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When, when uh, Peter and John got back in, in Acts chapter 4, right before God shook the house, they prayed and they said, Lord, grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Say the word works. The word works. Are you applying it to your problems? Like what Pastor Fielder said this morning, too many people are magnifying the problems. We need to be magnifying the word over the problems. That's what's going to solve the problem. Amen? You keep magnifying the problems, it's just going to be like a big goldfish puffing up. Let's pop that thing. Pop it with the word, man. The word's a double-edged sword. You can pop that problem, and it will explode and disappear. See, I have his word. I have his word. I like what Jeremiah said. He said, I, I, I tried not to speak the word. I tried, but it was like fire. Shut up in my bones. I can't help but speak the word. Do you realize that Jeremiah was called to a group of people that weren't going to listen to him. God said, don't look at their faces. I want you to go say what I tell you to say, irregardless of how they receive it. Can you imagine being a preacher and you're called to an audience that's not going to hear what you say? How frustrating would that be? <laughs> you make a good point. No way, man. No hallelujah. You just got that Clinice look going at me from my head. <laughs> I mean, it's no fun preaching to people that don't participate in the message. I'm glad that I'm here at BCF. You are active participants. So how are you going to do the works of Jesus? You're going to use his authority. You're going to use his power. You're going to use his word. And then the fourth thing is, you're going to use his name. He said, whatever you pray in my name. Jesus, the name of Jesus is the master key. That opens every door. Aren't you glad that we can use his name? Acts 2.38. You can show it up on the screen, Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice his name brings other gifts. Amen? Acts 3.6. Acts 3.6. I want to say this one as it said. Acts 3.6. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. You talk about working the works? 
These boys were just filled with the Holy Spirit. And they come to the gate beautiful. They're going to the temple and they're going to pray. Everybody say, going to pray. Going to pray. Listen, if you're on your way to pray and an opportunity to minister comes up, take the opportunity to minister. Amen? Oh, it is it? Oh, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to minister now. i got to pray and then I'll minister you afterwards. No. <laughs> they were going to pray and they saw this man and the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, i got something for him. Give his attention. Look at me! They're going to give me something. They're going to give me something. Silver and gold, I thought, what are you talking about? You've got silver and gold? The man was expecting money. Amen? But then, he got something much worth more than money. He, he got deliverance, he got healing. That's how you work towards Jesus. Use his name. Hallelujah. John 14, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Say, he'll do it. We'll Isn't that an awesome promise? Now remember, his name is only associated with his will. Right? But if, if, you're, if you know what God's will is, and you're asking in his name, it's going to happen. Amen? Say, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Say, it's going to happen. Say, it shall happen. It shall happen. So you just got to rest in that. Okay? John 15, 16. He said, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in the Father, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Does, does God our Father love the name of Jesus? Oh yeah, he gave it to him. His name shall be called Jesus. Call his name Jesus. He told Joseph, call his name Jesus. Amen. And I say, call on Jesus. Call you can use the name. It's a tool. Amen. But remember, when you use the name, it says, like Jesus is standing right there saying what you say. So, you know, don't take his name in vain. Don't flippantly use the name of Jesus. Oh, name it. Don't use it jokingly. His name is holy. His name is powerful. It's the name above every name. So, use it. And then John 16, 24... Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. How many could use some more joy? He said, ask in my name and your joy will be full. And when, jo- when the Lord fills your joy, you can't contain it. It will come out. What's happening? I'm bubbling up over with joy. Amen? Some of y'all need to take the caps off. Alright, and then the final thing. How we can do the works of Jesus is we have His Spirit. We have His Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 14, the Bible says, As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. How are you letting the Spirit of God lead you? You know, in the days that we're living in, a lot of people are letting natural things, things of the world, things from people, Influence their decision making. Irregardless of what's happening in the world, we're not exempt from not listening to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit often disagrees with the world. Did you know that the carnal nature and the spiritual nature, they don't get along so well. They, they, They war. 
power inside of you. Right? If, you, if your mind is on the flesh, you'll perish. But if your mind is on the spirit, you'll have peace in life. Who would you rather have? Peace in life or would you rather perish? I mean, really, you got in the day that we're living in, you've got to put your trust in God. You can't just put, listen, some trust in horses, some trust in chairs, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. Amen. And especially if someone's not born again, and they're giving you information as to what to do or what not to do, if they're not born again, question it. Oh, I don't want to question it. Why? God said, test prophecies. He said, if there's a prophet, let, let two or three judge the prophecy. He said, don't take it in every spirit. Test the spirit. Did these things test spirits? Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we would just stop, drop, and pray and talk to God for a little bit, it's amazing how that will change our perspective on things. God, what do you think about this? God, what's your heart on this? Amen? Now, in today's world, standing for righteousness is not popular. It's persecuted. So you've got to be careful. Acts 1.8 Acts 1.8 You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. How many has the Holy Ghost come upon? Then you've got the power. You're not no mealy mouse Christian that can't do anything, that can't say anything, that's not effective. You've got the Holy Ghost. You've got the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead in you, and He's quickening your mortal body. We gotta act like it. We gotta talk like it, and we gotta live like it. You never find the Holy Spirit saying, "I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do." He says, "I know what I'm gonna do." I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. Amen? And he is there to help you. His job, God gave him, God gave the the world Jesus, but Jesus gave us the Holy Ghost. He's going to bring you into all truth. He's going to guide you, lead you, direct you, empower you. He's going to teach you. He's going to bring understanding to you. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, it's Praying God's perfect will. Mm-hmm. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is so important. Yeah. Why, why was that the last thing that Jesus said before he left? If it wasn't so important, then you never made that the last thing you said. But the last thing you say is the most important thing you say before you leave, amen? Mm-hmm. And before he left, he said, wait for, for the promise of the Father. Jesus said that before he left. He knew that we were going to need spiritual power. Hey, when after he went through the wilderness, what happened? He returned in the power of the Spirit. That's when, that's when he would speak and people said, Oh, he speaks like authority, not like scribes. But no, he speaks with one that has authority. There's a, there's a, a potency to his message. Go to Romans 15. Romans 15. I'm almost done. Ooh, glory. Not that I'm almost done, but what the Lord's doing. Amen? You'll never find a preacher sharing that he's almost done. Other people might, but he won't be. 
I'm having a good time today. <laughs> Romans 15 and verse 13. Now, everybody say now. Yeah. Yeah. You can make a decision right now that you're going to change and you're going to be doing the works of Jesus from the time you leave this place, starting tomorrow, the next day, the day after that, the day after that, the week after that, the month after that, the year after that, and you're going to keep on going until Jesus comes. Now, the God of hope fill you with a little bit of joy. No, all joy and peace. You can have joy and peace in the same place at the same time. <laughs> in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. How many of you, listen, if there was ever a moment in time that we need to abound in hope, it's time for the body of Christ to abound in hope. We need to be the beacon of light and love that the world so desperately needs. Be a light on Facebook. Oh yeah, I get your point across. Stand your ground, amen. Don't back down. I don't care if Mark Zuckerberg himself. He's not greater than God. Nope. Amen? Listen, they're going to be careful. Facebook will be owned by someone else. Mm-hmm. Hey, let them do all the work and set it up. Let some godly person take it over. Amen. Become a major stockholder in Facebook. Fire, 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 you know? Yeah. Amen. That's, that's possible. Yeah. We can take over things. Yeah. Philip took over a city of Samaria by preaching Christ. They took over the city of Ephesus. $50,000 worth of occult books and witchcraft were burned after preaching the message of the gospel. We were designed to take over cities, take over towns, take over households, take over businesses. Amen? Joseph took over Piper's house and he didn't even have to uh, uh, he wasn't even a hostile takeover. He was just put in charge of the house. <laughs> yep. He just did what God told him to do. And God kept putting him in charge. He was put in charge of the house, put in charge of the prison, and then he was put in charge of the nation. Yeah. You talk about a minority. There were no other Jews. There might have been other Jews in, in Egypt, but there wasn't a godly person in Egypt. But God planted them inside in the country. 17-year-old boy, he goes to a foreign land as a slave. And what does he do? He does the works of God. Why do we know he does the works of God? Number one, God was hanging out with him. And number two, his his heathen boss saw the results. God is not going to hang out with people who dishonor him. So there was Joseph. What was he doing? He was working. He was just working. And as he was working, God was promoting. And as God was promoting, he was working. And as God as he was working, God was promoting. Things came against him, but he overcame them. See, there will be things that come against you to try to get you to stop doing the works of Jesus. I mean, some people have decided to leave here because we don't wear masks. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. 
Amen? You guys are intelligent people. <laughs> but we have these things that have been given to us. The authority of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the name of Jesus, His word of Jesus, and the spirit of Jesus. And these have been given to us so that we can do the works of God. We have greater works to do. There's things that need to be done in this city. There's things that need to be done here. Oh, and by the way, um, by January 1, everybody say January 1. We will have our new carpet and we're going to have a new stage. All right. Amen. So that's aside from the, that's aside from it. God called us here 18 years ago to do the works of God. Have we had opportunities to quit? Yes. But guess what? We passed them up because we're still here. <laughs> and there's no quit in me. I will only do what God says do. We don't quit, we equip. Oh, we, don't, we don't quit, we equip. There you go. I like that. Spoken from the prophetic right there. How can we not do... You know, He strengthens us with His Spirit. Wherever there's a weakness in the frailty of humanity... God makes up the difference. He, he confounds the strong by using the weak. He uses the base things of the world to confound the wise. No mighty, no prominent person is called, but God calls the weak things. He, he uses the, the platform of preaching to give his message to the world. He could have used something else. But he chose to use preaching. He chose to pour his anointing through vessels to communicate his goodness and his love. You are a love distributor. You are a favor distributor. You are a grace distributor. You are a miracle distributor. Signs should follow you. Because you have been given the name of Jesus. You've been given His authority, His power, His Word, His Spirit. So we're out we're without excuses. Oh yes, the enemy would love for all of us to be caught up in the things of the world. Because when we're caught up in the things of the world, it chokes the fruit of God's Word in our life. God, the devil made it easy in his time not to come to church. And I know that there's other reasons. So I'm, I'm not... I'm not giving people a hard time if you can't come. But if you can, if you go, that's a different issue. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? I want to encourage you this morning to do the works. If you're a housewife, you can do the works of God. If you're a teenager, you can do the works of God. Many teenagers in the Bible did the works of God and yep. saw great miracles. Moses started doing the works of God when he was 80, so age has, is not a factor in doing the works of God. John the Baptist was kicking the womb ready to get out to do the works of God. So I think that covers all of us. I like what the four lepers, they made a determination. It's a story in Second Kings 
six, I think, somewhere in there. And um, the city was surrounded. Prices of food were going through the roof. People were eating their children. Because all the supplies were cut off. And these four lepers were outside the city because you couldn't be in the city as a leper. So they looked at their situation. And they said, why should we sit here till we die? If we go into the city, there's famine there. If we stay out here, we're going to die here. The enemy died. We might as well get up and do something. So they, they stood to their feet. And all they did was started walking. And when they started walking, God made their steps sound like an army. And it so scared the, the army that was surrounding the city that they left their encampment. They didn't even take a thing. They left their clothes. They left their gold. They left their sheep. They left their cattle. They left their donkeys. They left their weapons. They left everything. And they got out of there. And when the, the four lepers who had this leprosy, who were outcasts of society, who were the least of what people thought, they did something. And what they did, even though it looked small, God made that small thing great. Amen. And they went and gathered all that was, and they were eating, they were stuffing, they were hiding things. They said, we better tell the city. <laughs> right? We better share this. <laughs> and they did. Because it was prophesied by the prophets that prices were going to go down in one day. Everybody said one day. One day. You might think that giving your Two-piece fish dinner is not a whole lot. But once you get it into Jesus' hands, that young boy who gave up his lunch was doing the works of Jesus. What was he doing? He was feeding people. Jesus said, these people need to eat, you need to feed them. Oh, okay. You talk, I mean, Jesus will put you in a position where you've got to do his works. The disciples were ready for the answer, you feed them. Oh. So, oh, well, we got this much money, but that's insufficient. Oh, we got a little, little lunch here, but what is that going to Bring it to me. That little boy was doing the work of Jesus. Why? He brought what he had to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied what he had and was able to feed the multitude. So, what I'm saying is, even the little work that you think is insignificant. Where you don't understand how what little you have or what little you can do is going to make a difference. It makes a big difference in the kingdom of God. You know, God set up his body as a body. You know, your body is made up of many different parts, many different systems. But they all function together. Every unique part, your fingers, your teeth, your eyes, your hair, your kneecaps, your toes, your tongue, all the little insignificant parts. But I'll tell you what, 
You take a hammer to one of those little parts, and your whole body feels it. It doesn't seem that so insignificant anymore, now does it? And see, in giving, God doesn't, re- God doesn't put the burden of giving on one person. He puts it on all of us. And when we give, we can all give different amounts. Some can give more, some can give less. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about why you do it. It's about who you honor when you do it. Mm-hmm. Amen? And when you bring it all together, it makes everything take care of. Amen? So I want to encourage you today. Do the works that God wants you to do. It's time that we do the works of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He said for us to do the works, and greater work shall we do, because he goes to his Father. Now the ball's in our court. Now it's up to us. Amen? He's already, he doesn't need to do anything else. He's done everything he needs to do to equip us, to give us what we need to succeed, to give us what we need to fulfill our purpose. So we've got to stop excusing We've got to stop making excuses as to why we're not doing these works. If God's told you to do something and you're not doing it, you better start doing it. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen? I just want to encourage you today. Are you encouraged today? Mm-hmm. Say, I'm ready, I'm ready to do the works do the word that, Jesus did. that Jesus did. I'm fully equipped, I'm fully equipped with His power, with His, power, with his authority, with His, authority, with his name. With name. I'm good to go. I'm good to go. I'm ready for the fights. I'm ready for the fights. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to knock every opponent out of my way. And I'm going to knock every opponent out of my way. And I'm going to keep doing what God wants me to do each and every day. Each and every day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're here this morning and you have a sickness or illness in your body, we're going to do the works of Jesus. If you have a sickness or illness or infirmity 